You're listening to the Breastfeeding Talk podcast, episode number three. Today, I'm going to share an incredible interview with my friend, Beverly Simpson, where we dive into all things related to the postpartum body and fitness after giving birth. You're not going to want to miss this episode. It is so full of things that most moms wish they knew before they gave birth. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. All right, welcome Beverly Simpson to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on as a guest. You guys don't know her yet, but you will. She's the owner of B Simpson Fitness and the creator of the 30-Minute Method. And she was a district uh, fitness manager for a big box gym in Manhattan, responsible for hiring and developing personal trainers and personal training leaders. And Beverly is in a primarily male-dominated field. And for her, she felt driven mostly by ego. She almost pretended she wasn't pregnant when she conceived her first baby. And it wasn't until she had her two daughters under the age of two struggle to breastfeed and work in a male-dominated field that she realized there's a huge gap of resources out there for moms especially athletic moms who aren't necessarily professional athletes, but any moms who are wanting to move and maintain health. And today we're going to talk about fitness in the fourth trimester with Beverly. So welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and happy to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. And I think this is information that you know, a lot of moms out there are looking for, especially if they're just starting to think about, okay, I had this baby. I want to, you know, get my body back in shape. What am I supposed to be doing? There's tons of misinformation and things. So I'm hoping to clear that up for our audience today. And I know specifically with this podcast of breastfeeding moms, they tend to have a lot of concerns about fitness and working out in general, where they might have this idea of like sweating too much is really bad. It might be detoxing too much. And is it going to get, you know, bad things into their milk for their baby? Or they think if they work out too hard, they might dry up their milk supply. And I wondered if you could just speak to that. Yes, I'd, I'd be happy to. So let's, we'll first dive in to that whole, there are so many myths, first of all, about breastfeeding and uh, fitness pretty much just kind of in general. So whether or not you are, you might think that you are going to work out a ton and also, but you're scared to because you might, you might, the baby will all of a sudden not like the milk or, or the baby will all of a sudden uh, not want to have any of the breast milk, or you might find that you are going to hurt your milk supply, or sometimes moms, and this was me, believe that if they breastfed, they would just lose all the baby weight. So those are kind of the three main things I want to tackle. So first I'll say that <laughs> when you are working out, right, and whether you have an intense workout or a 
whatever type of workout that you do, intense or walking, and you are worried about losing your milk supply, that was the other one that I wanted to talk about, the truth of the matter, and if you've been hanging here with Jacqueline, you already know this, but the truth of the matter is that your supply is determined by the by the demand of the baby. So we are not designed as human beings to to dry, to work out and all of a sudden lose uh, milk supply and nourish the baby. We are literally, we will lose our life first before we stop nourishing and feeding the baby. Your body will hold on to whatever energy it needs to hold on to so that you can produce enough milk. And the amount of milk that you are creating in your body is going to be determined by how, how the baby is transferring and pulling the milk. So that is one of the biggest things that you don't you don't have to worry about. You if you're cutting your calories or you're not eating enough or you're you're working out too hard or working out too much, it's going to affect mom and and it's going to affect mom dramatically more than it will hurt your milk supply. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because milk supply is completely independent of, you know, what you're doing for your fitness routine. And, you know, yes, there, while there are foods that support milk production and all of that, for the most part, it is absolutely determined by how well the milk is being removed from the breast and how often. So I'm really glad you said that. I'm glad, I'm glad it's not just me saying that. Yeah, no, and for sure, of course, outside of extenuating circumstances, right? So we're not talking about we're not talking about third world countries, and we're not talking about literal starvation. That is different. But in terms of you know average fitness, it's not going to have that dramatic of an impact on the milk supply. Right. And I think that we have to remind people too, that, you know, there, if we are talking about, let's say even third world countries, right. Those moms are moving and hauling, you know, Mm -hmm. buckets of water for miles across, you know, barren landscapes. Right. And somehow they still produce enough milk to feed their babies. So this idea that like we have to be extra careful and sensitive because we're breastfeeding is not really true. Um, Definitely more precautions tend to be taken during pregnancy than breastfeeding. Right. And so the other thing I too, I want to say, and this happens and this does happen. And honestly, it depends on the temperament of the baby more so than anything, because a lot of people will say that they're, that there or a lot of moms will say that their milk supply is affected, but really what's happening is that when you work out or when you use any, whenever you break up any ATP, which is basically energy in the body, you are going to create lactic acid. And that can change the taste of the milk. It can change the taste of the milk to the baby. So if the baby is very sensitive and doesn't and and has a very specific personality and decides that they don't like the taste of the milk and pushes mom out and says, no, 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 I don't want that milk, that will have an impact on the milk supply. But moms will get that information and say, oh no, working out is causing my milk supply to drop, but that's not what's happening. Working out might be changing the taste of the actual milk and the baby doesn't like it. And so the baby's not eating it. Therefore that is causing 
the milk supply to drop. So that's what happens and why you get that myth that that working out harms milk supply. Mm, yes, that is so common. I hear that all the time. Now, is there anything that moms can do to help in their workout recovery so that they're not having that buildup of lactic acid as much? So it's actually not, a, it's, it's not, it's not the soreness. Lactic acid is just something that is, is produced whenever you're using energy. So lactic acid is actually not soreness. Soreness is, is caused by the free radicals that are floating around in the body. It's not necessarily lactic acid. You can't, so you can't change how much or uh, you can't change your amount of working out is not going to be able to change how much lactic acid you're going to produce. And the truth is, you could produce lactic acid just by, you know, doing extra housework in the house. Like, there's nothing you can really do. Causation is not the same. As, it, it, we're talking about the difference between causation and correlation, essentially, right? And so you right. can't really fix that. It's, but what I will say, and what I do recommend my breastfeeding moms who are working out that might have a baby that's a little bit more temperamental or a little bit more sensitive is like, eh, I definitely tell them to nurse or to breastfeed right before they work out to make sure that they are emptying out their supply. And then if their baby doesn't want it, then I will have their the mom pump after they eat or after they work out so that they don't hurt their milk supply, give the baby maybe a backup, whatever it is that they want to do, depending on how sensitive, but I definitely make sure the mom doesn't miss the next feed so that it doesn't hurt her supply. That makes so much sense. And I just learned that lactic acid is not the thing that makes you sore. I didn't know that. So mm -hmm. I'm probably not alone in that. Uh, right. I'm really glad you shared that. I'm curious what you also see, like, what are some of the biggest obstacles that postpartum moms face when they're, you know, looking at restarting their fitness routine or even just starting a new routine that maybe they didn't have before? Ooh, such a great question. And we definitely will dive into that. But the other thing too that I wanted to say real quick about the breastfeeding, and I guess yeah, this for it. Of, and this also ties into is that the other flip side, you know, I talk a lot about hurting milk supply, and that's only mostly because of my own personal experience and how I really struggled with transferring. So my milk supply was really low. But um, the other thing that happens that not that not a lot of people talk about is that you might over you might overproduce, and then if you are wearing a a bra or a workout uh, compression on breastfeeding boobs that are not that doesn't give that doesn't give you any room that can cause pain and especially if you are overproducing or you already have sensitive ducts and you are you are susceptible to I always say this word wrong, but mastitis. Mastitis, yep. Mastitis, yep. yeah. No, that's a good point. And I was going to ask you about that too, because yes. you know our our milk ducts are actually just very much like the veins on the back of our hand, and too much compression can cut off the flow. Mm -hmm. Ducts, you know, exercise yes. movement in general, you know, you get this great lymphatic movement and drainage. But if you're wearing a sports bra that is too tight, maybe you haven't bought a new one postpartum or something that's made for a nursing mom or gives you a little right. more wiggle room, yep, you can definitely risk plug ducts and mastitis. And that doesn't have to do with working out. It's just actually the sports bra you might be wearing. 
Yes, and that sometimes too, and this kind of leads to what you were originally asking about, you know, what should um, postpartum mom expect is that you're in this new body that maybe you didn't even anticipate having, right? It's, and it's not a bad thing. It's just a new, different body. And so what happens is that moms will try and squeeze into a bra that they were using, you know, before they were, before they got pregnant, because they think, oh, nothing changed up here. It's just my belly that changed or just my hips that changed or whatever it is. Or they're thinking, oh, you know what? I already lost the pre, like this happens too. I already lost all the weight that I gained because some moms only Mm. will gain about 25 pounds, 25 to 35 pounds, and then will lose it after after they gave birth and they're already cleared and they're in this spot now where they can work out but they don't recognize or realize that the body has completely shifted on the inside and maybe also on the outside so they could be trying to get into a bra that just doesn't fit them in the same way that that a what uh in the same way that it used to Right. No, that's a really good point. And even things like, you know, your, your pelvis expands and widens. So you pull on that pair of pants and you're like mm-hmm. the same weight, but they're not really getting on the same way. Exactly. And yeah, it is a whole new body. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. That's expected, right? You gave birth to a baby. Now you're a mom, you have a mom bod. It can still be a rockin' mom bod, but like, we've got to, you know, set ourselves up with maybe some different expectations or less expectations. Um, that just because we're, we're back at a certain weight or whatever, doesn't mean our clothes are going to fit the same. And just speaking from the breastfeeding perspective, a lot of moms will, will ask me, you know, when's the best time to get fitted for nursing bras? And there's this kind of conventional wisdom out there. Like once you're at 37 weeks, you know, that's a good time because your breasts really aren't going to change in size. That's actually not true by the way. So first two weeks postpartum is, you know, you want to have something really flexible on hand for, you know, right after birth, but don't go invest in a ton of nursing bras until about a couple weeks in just because your breasts generally get even bigger during that time, even beyond pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you have a comfortable fit, nothing that's too tight. Um, and avoiding underwire is always a good call, especially I'm sure when you're working out as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't have underwear. I don't have underwire on when I'm working out because like, you no. want to have the support. You just don't want the compression so tight that you, um, you know, can't breathe. Yeah. And, you know, and I have to say for me and just for my own personal experience, you know, you're used to, especially in the third trimester, second trimester, you're used to wearing that compression. That compression felt so good when you were pregnant that it's, it's almost, you know, an afterthought that you don't think, oh, maybe this compression's too tight because you're still, you know, your body's still figuring itself out in this season. Yep. Absolutely. That's so true. And I know for me too, I think you gave some great advice about nursing the baby right before the workout, because you don't want to go into a workout with super full breasts mm-hmm. that are then like leaking all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be TMI for some folks, but we're here to share it because that is a real thing. And the fuller your breasts are, the more it's going to fill out that bra that you are wearing and more potential for compression. So nurse or pump before you go to do your workout. And then you'll have some wiggle room there in terms of like the fit of your bra and just feeling comfortable. So the last thing you want to be thinking about when I'm, when you're working out, I'm sure is your milk leaking or feeling like it's painful or too tight. And then you have to stop. 
Yes, for sure. And so to answer your question too, more fully about, you know, what are some of the things that you want to be thinking about when you're returning to exercise? So there are two main things, right? When moms come to me and we're talking about this, I want to know, you know, what's their intention behind wanting to work out? Because the truth of the matter is that not all exercise classes, and I don't mean this, you know, this is all trainers and coaches are well-meaning, but not all exercise classes are treated equally. And what happens to most people, especially if you are a mom that is in the conventional healthcare system, is that the six weeks or eight weeks, depending on whether you had a vaginal or cesarean birth, is an arbitrary number. It's a literally one-size-fits-all approach, and we are so unique both on the inside and on the outside, that every mom is going to have a different experience and a different recovery process. Now, that is not to say, for the record, that women are not resilient. We are resilient and we are designed to have bit to both have babies and heal from birth. Like this is not like, oh, you had a baby, that means you're delicate, that means you're broken. That is not true. Moms are resilient. And of course, you can go back to doing any type of athletics if you were already doing intense or you weren't doing intense, whatever, and or maybe you weren't and you want to, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, you absolutely can do. The reason why I always go back to intention and go back to the fact that the, not all classes are one size fit all is that moms are so desperate to get their body back or they're so desperate to lose this weight that they have this mentality at any cost. And so three things happen. They get in a, you know, the conventional system. The doctor doesn't even do a internal check, especially if they had a cesarean. The doctor just says, oh, you're good to go. No problem. While that's arbitrary. And the mom doesn't even know better, doesn't even know what the questions are to ask, especially if you were anything like me who pretended that I wasn't pregnant. And I just said, oh, okay, everything's going to just go back to normal. And it wasn't until my sister was like, she had a call with me right before I was about to give birth. And she said, just so you know, you're still going to look pregnant after you give birth. And I literally said to her, well, wait, why? The baby's out. Right. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> and more so, moms are taken by surprise than we think. Yeah. Yes. And so I wouldn't have even known to, if I didn't know better, if I wasn't studying this stuff, I wouldn't have even known to ask, oh, so should I be worried? Should I be concerned about this? And this is not to say that our doctors are steering us wrong or bad. It's not true. And that goes back to the fact that you have resiliency and most people, you are going to heal and most people are fine. But in the off chance that you're not fine, you don't know what to do. That's where, you know, moms can get into trouble. And so what happens is that they go, they're so desperate to get their body back that they go join the most intense class that they can find. Some that's, you know, marketed as a mommy boot camp, but the well-meaning instructor doesn't even realize that there are different considerations, right? You're, you just had a baby, whether or not, and six weeks postpartum or eight weeks, mama, that is early. That is that's so early. early. And your body, the, the, 
the physiology of your body has completely shifted. I mean, your center of gravity was in a complete different spot for the last 40 weeks. So why do we all of a sudden think that we're just all of a sudden like a rubber band going to snap back into you know our center of gravity or our body knowing what to do? We have been patterned and moving in a certain way for so long that it's going to be another period of readjustment. And the only difference when you're pregnant is that you ramp up to it. The baby grows, but then the baby comes out and then it's like, oh, completely different, right? It's a, it's a huge change, transition. Yep. Physically it's, and hormonally, right? Yes. So like you said, everything's very gradual, builds during pregnancy. That baby comes out, it's a massive sudden shift massive sudden shift, right? And so then what happens is they go into these class, they're jumping around, they're running, they're doing all these things. And then maybe they have experiences like, um, I can't hold a plank because that's what, you know, these boot camps will do. And it's not that the plank specifically is bad, but the teachers or the instructors don't know what it is that they're looking for to help a mom modify if they need to modify a movement. Mm. Right. Because things that moms, you know, and then you have things like scary mommy who's joking and laughing about the fact that people are peeing in their pants and we're told that, oh, that's just, you know, what happens now. And in fact, that's actually not the case and that you don't have to live. You don't have to be peeing in your pants or worried that you're going to sneeze or have this rush of urgency like oh every, I can't work out I'm going to have to go to the bathroom or feeling like sex is uncomfortable or you can't put a tampon in there are a whole slew of things that can that can happen that can be a symptom but moms don't know better they're not taught or told that these are questions that they could be asking their doctor yeah, no, that's so true. And one of the things that I refer out to a lot are pelvic floor physical therapists mm-hmm. because moms think, oh, XYZ is normal. And mm-hmm. I go through their birth history and they're not even ever informed that things like an epidural leak in your pelvic floor, just that alone, right? Not to mention, you know, you push for four hours during birth or whatever, right? So there's all these different considerations. Like you said, everyone's different, everybody heals at a different rate and all of that. But yes, it's like normalized these jokes, right? I I remember we had uh, a bounce house for my son's birthday party at our house and all the moms are in it and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, like pee is coming out. I'm like, yes. You're like, I was like, that doesn't happen to me. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? That happens to every mom. And I was like, nope, it doesn't. And maybe you should get that checked out. And they're like, their kids are not babies anymore, you know? And so, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a really important topic to talk about. And I like what you said about modifications, right? Like you have to ease your way kind of into this stuff. And if you have something, you don't have that core strength to hold the plank right now. There's, it doesn't mean you can't do the plank, but it just means there's a different way that you need to go about doing it, right? Yes. And so the thing too, is that most trainers don't talk about, and most moms too, is don't realize that when they're talking about core strength, they are, that is, your pelvic floor is included in that. Your core is like, is the canister. And, and what people also don't understand is that what is going to strengthen your core, you can literally do the second you give birth because it's your alignment and it's your breathing. And by alignment, I mean your posture. 
your posture alignment. You start focusing on those two things, those are what is going to help or those are what are going to help bring and bring strength and strengthen up that core, which also includes the pelvic floor. And what happens to a lot of moms is that they think, especially moms who are leaking, is they're thinking Kegel, 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 right? Because, oh, everyone says you're going to Kegel and that's how you're going to strengthen your pelvic floor. But that's like saying a car is going to move forward if only one wheel's spinning. Right? And that's just not the case. We know that a car moves forward or in reverse when all four wheels are going at the same time. And the same is true with your core. So you got your diaphragm, you got your pelvic floor. You can't see me because we're on a podcast, but I'm using my hands right now. You got your <laughs> diaphragm at the top of the canister and you got your pelvic floor at the bottom. And then you have your rectus abdominals in the front. Those are what people say are made in the kitchen. Those are your sexy abs. And they are attached to the linea alba. It's connective tissue that runs from that runs from the sternum all the way down to the top of your pubic bone. And then you have the transverse abdominals. Those are the strength abs. Those are the abs that are in the the. Those are the ones that help help. Uh, stabilize your lumbar spine. And then in the back, you've got the multifidus muscles that are all working together synergistically to give you strength in the core, right? Yep. And so knowing that, working on that is what's going to help with things like diastasis, diastasis recti. So what that is, is when your sexy abs, remember I told you it was inserted into that linea alba, they, it stretches. It's designed to stress, stretch. It's supposed to stretch. But then... It, and it'll come back. But the truth, I can't remember the, the statistic right off my head, is that, you know, they say, you know, that the average is six to eight weeks that it's recovered. But like I was saying earlier, that's not, you don't know that. You don't, it's right. different for every person. And so, you know, moms who are so desperate to get their body back will just you know, do it at any cost and then not know that, oh, that's uncomfortable and doesn't need to be uncomfortable. It's almost like the slowest, fast mentality in order to get to the type of intense working out that you want to do. It's just going to take a little bit of progress, pro, progress, just going to take a little bit of progress, like progression, slow. Right. And I'm so glad you started talking about that because that leads me where I wanted to go next, which was to talk about breastfeeding and movement in general. And you said something so important that is just an awesome little soundbite about, you know, there's things that you can do right after you give birth to, you know, strengthen your core. And this is one of the things I always teach my clients hands-on, especially is just breastfeeding is a postural event for you and your baby. And that's a whole other topic, mm -hmm. but these moms who, and I get it, I get it, ladies. I totally get it. You want the fancy nursing pillow and you want to sit in the cute little nursing chair and all this stuff, but sitting all the time is incredibly bad for you. And like Beverly said, you can't see us, but I'm actually standing right now while we're recording this podcast um, because that's really, really important. Uh, sitting too much is, is just a chronic problem for anybody in the developed world, um, but especially postpartum moms. Um, and then the other thing is a lot of moms with breastfeeding, especially with nursing pillows, 
I like nursing pillows. They have a time and a place, but depending on them and laying your baby on them and then sort of hunching your back over to nurse them is not only bad for your posture, but you can't breathe very well. You're right. cramping your diaphragm and all of that. And you're stretching out your back muscles and like compressing your abs. And it's just the wrong posture for anybody. Um, and especially moms who, you know, had, uh, tears or episiotomies during their labor, yes. you know, they feel like this position is just really uncomfortable. And so, you know, moms are just kind of set up for failure all around. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should like give birth and then start walking around and nursing your baby two hours later. Mm -hmm. But I will say though, that we are designed as a species to move and to breastfeed our babies at the same time. And so maybe the first initial weeks, you know, you're recovering, whatever, you're sitting down, you're nursing your baby, you're getting the hang of it. But eventually your baby should be able to hold on to the breast somewhat, hold on to your body somewhat, uh, and you should be able to hold that baby with one arm or two and get up and walk around and go get yourself a glass of water or whatever it is and not with the baby carrier. So a lot of moms are really shocked to hear that. Like, I can't even imagine doing that just because they haven't practiced it. Um, but when we stand up, when we move, you know, your baby was in the womb, in your body when you're pregnant. They're moving around in that amniotic fluid. Every time you're walking, they're used to moving. All of a sudden, they come out and we put them in swaddles. We sit down to breastfeed them. And then we wonder why they're kind of a little dysregulated in the world. Well, your movement is also important for their movement. And again, it goes back to posture. So if you're always sitting down and hunched over, and this is a big thing that moms, I think I taught this to your um, group of, of people, was that you never really want to bring your breast to the baby because that's always going to encourage that hunched over posture. You want to try to bring the baby to your breast, which requires you to use your core and all those muscles and to sit up straight and to take deep breaths and also, when you breathe deeply, you don't have um, the same pain response. So for moms who are having nipple pain or things like that, when they're shallow breathing or they're holding their breath when they go to latch the baby, which is even worse when they're all like crunched up in this little ball trying to nurse them, um, your pain response is really heightened. And so if you're sitting up straight, you take deep breaths, that's greatly diminished even by like 50%, which is really, really huge. So I'm glad you touched on that because I really think though it doesn't need to be going to the gym hardcore. We can do little things at home in our daily lives that are great for our health and great for our fitness. Yes. There's two things that you brought up that I, I definitely too wanted to expand upon, which is that, Please. you know, there are two, to me, what I heard is that there are literally, it's two phases essentially of that fourth trimester because what you know, there's a difference. The first six to eight weeks, because that's when you're healing. That's when you, you know, might be needing the time to recover. But that recovery does not have to look like, you know, sitting hunched over. Really, that recovery is you needing to get sleep because that's when your body is going to restore itself and start all of the healing that means is going to be happening in sleep. So that's not necessarily sitting down and that's not going to be, you know, hunching over that baby and getting it to latch. But listen, mama, I have been there. So if that is you right now, that was me too. I literally agonized. I cried every day. I literally... I mean, I was beside myself trying to get both of my babies to breastfeed. So 
it is it is not me throwing any stones let me tell you i'm definitely compassionate and if i had known jacqueline back in those days four years ago i would have called her every day and i would <laughs> listen to this podcast every moment because like let me i just wanted to say that you have got to do what you want to do but just re- or th- what you need to do but remember there is a better way so yes, that's yes. true and i've been there too i mean i yes had a very, very rough birth with my first and just was found out a lot about postpartum that no one had really told me. And yeah, it was really rough. And then, you know, moms, I can hear the, the cackling going on now for moms going, ha ha ha, sleep, right. Yeah, yeah like, me too. So I totally <laughs> I get it. Got it. I totally I, got Yeah. It. No, until, until about uh, March of last year, uh, six years straight of sleep deprivation for me. So I've been there. I have totally been there. And that can, you know, it's, it's no, we're not saying like, do whatever you can to get more sleep, or we're not, we're not telling you how to do that, but just know, like, go easy on yourself. If sleep is not happening in the way that you would like it to, yeah, your recovery might be slower and it's okay to go gentle on yourself. Yes. Okay. For sure. So this is me. Yeah. So just like Jacqueline's saying, we're not saying like, Hey, get up. You need to be walking around. Right. That's, that's not what we're saying, but also, you know, I just to gently remind you or gently suggest, or even just put it in your mind to say, Hey, this might speed up your recovery, which is going to lead up to my second, my second point is because movement and what we're, we're not talking now about, you know, working out or, or, you know, hitting CrossFit or going to the boot camp classes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking. I'm talking about, you know, getting up, like Jacqueline said, to get a cup of water, a drink of water, thinking about your posture and thinking about your breath, which by the way, the breath is the most undervalued component of core strength. And it is and in fitness in general. And I think that that's just because we do it on automation and we don't even think about it, but really we can put a, we can really put some attention on that and focus on that, which will help with recovery. And also, so moving and, and thinking about those three things, like, you know, getting a glass of water or standing or going for a walk, it's going to also help your recovery because it also activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So when, and which is basically your autonomic nervous system is fight or flight. So that's the one, that's the one of the other component. That's like stress. When you're under stress, you're going to have that fight or flight. And the truth is that many moms, I would probably even say almost, even all, the, this is a very stressful time. Whether or not you had a perfect, easy, you're having a massive transition by even adding a new human into your world, your body is going to respond in stress. While you might not have that adrenaline impact that you're gonna have if you say a lion was standing in front of you, your body is still responding in a stress state. So your metabolism is, is acting according to your stress, right? So when you walk, when you move, you will activate the parasympathetic system, which basically is signaling to your body, hey, we are not dying. We are not in front of a lion. Everything is fine. You can calm down. And when you can calm the system down, so even if you're not you know, you can't sleep, right? But if you can get the body to calm down, then your body can help 
help heal. You can recover faster because your body is not, your body is going to, if you are stressed, even mentally, your body is going to act like, okay, we're dying. We need to survive. We need to survive. We need to survive. We don't care about recovery. This is at any cost situation. But when you are calming down, how can you do that? Walking, deep breaths, uh, uh, meditation, but I, I you think sleep is hard, right? Try meditating with a screaming child. I get it. But if you can like just go to the bathroom for five seconds longer and take those five deep breaths that Jacqueline was talking about, this is going to help de-stress the body, help you recover faster so that you can stand, work on your alignment, work on, work on your breathing to strengthen your core and help bring the baby to the breast, help with the breastfeeding experience. That's so true. It's so true. And really, really wonderful that you said all that because I think really, you know, this podcast also, I love to talk about mindset, right? And so if you are in a panic state, sometimes it's more of just a physiological thing. Mm -hmm. And there are physiological things you can do to change your mental state like you said, just even deep breaths, right? So, you know, taking a longer exhale than an inhale, we know that brings you into that parasympathetic state. If you do that while you're sitting and nursing your baby, you know, hopefully they're not screaming at you and they don't latch, but like, you know, or while you're pumping or whatever, then now you just took, you know, 15, 30 minutes, whatever, to calm yourself down, which one will obviously help with your hormones. And there's hormones related to breastfeeding and recovery as well. Um, but also your digestion. So if you're in this heightened state, you're not digesting your food well, and then you might be looking at things like, you know, constipation, or you're not absorbing as many nutrients from your food. And then it's a vicious cycle, or you're just feeling run down. You're not losing the weight, like all these things. And we just snowballs and we don't, we want it to snowball the opposite direction for you. Like, so just little things like Beverly's saying where, you know, maybe you're a couple weeks postpartum, what can you focus on today throughout your day that are just little things to start moving your body more towards recovery and peace and calm to get ready to re-engage in your fitness journey down the road? Because we're not saying, okay, get ready for that CrossFit thing. That yeah, right. You can't go from zero to 60. It just doesn't work like that. We're not Porsches. So, you know, we're more like, uh, like Priuses here. And <laughs> I own a hybrid by the way. So I get it. But you know, you don't, you don't slam on the gas. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you just slowly start speeding up and working your way up to it. And the other thing I want to say is Beverly's obviously not a personal trainer for babies, but, uh, you as a mom are the personal trainer for your baby. And if you want your baby to be in a nice, calm, regulated state, everything Beverly just said about movement and deep breathing for you is the exact same principle you want to apply to your baby. So if your baby is constantly swaddled or in a swing or just confined and not able to get free movement of their bodies, this is why tummy time is so important. And their breathing is constricted, so their nervous system's heightened and their body isn't moving. So they have all this energy that they're not, it has nowhere to go and they end up being upset babies. So get that baby, do tummy time on your chest for the first couple weeks and about two to three weeks, assuming full-term healthy baby, whatever, you can start doing tummy time against gravity on a flat surface. And this is one of the most important things when it comes to a baby that breastfeeds well, because 
That has everything to do with their posture. If they don't breathe well, they don't breastfeed well. So, you know, same principles that apply to really any human, but especially postpartum moms and their babies. That's so good. That's so good because babies are just little humans. Like they're the same as you, just really little. (laughs) And like you said, moms are resilient. So are babies. They're not fragile. Just, I mean, unless it's like a preemie that's in the NICU, right? Like they're not fragile. They were born to be a part of this earth and this world and to just, you know, constantly confine them and like, you know, there's, there's, there's a time and a place, but it can't be 24 seven. Your baby's just not designed for that in this world. Right. It's true. And neither are you. So we don't want you to be laying in bed for the next three months, you know, just not doing anything productive with your body. And then I'm sure you can speak to this too, Beverly. You know, I know for me with my first, you know, I had a rough birth and it was a longer recovery period with my second, I had a toddler to chase around. So I got back in shape super fast. I didn't mean to, yeah. um, but I felt mentally so much better. And I wonder if that has to do with how much I was moving. And if you see that with moms you work with. Oh yes, for sure. I mean, I, I, one of my founding principles is literally that the way that you are talking to yourself, the way, you know, you said that you talk about mindset on this podcast, but literally what you are thinking about is what you are creating. So if you are constantly saying to yourself, I'm weak, I can't, I can't recover. I'm, I'm fat. I'm, I can't get my body back. I'm broken. All of those things have a huge impact on your recovery, on how fast you're going to be able to get into the shape that you want to. It's going to be, it has a massive impact on it. So we are constantly talking about what we're telling ourselves and what we, you know, the self-talk that we're going through. And me too, in the sense that when my toddler came, my second, my, or when my second came and I had the toddler running around, I didn't have time to be thinking about what did I look like? How did I feel? Like it was literally do or die is how it felt. <laughs> you know? Oh yes. <laughs> it didn't, I was not focused on it in the same way that I was with my first. So it was just a whole completely different experience. Yes. And I'm sure we have moms who, you know, are listening that this isn't their first baby. This isn't their first rodeo at all. Um, but I do think the self-talk is so important and, you know, you, you going through this process of recovery, which again, even with the best, most amazing birth, your body is going through recovery, right? And that is your, like Beverly said, your body knows how to heal. So don't doubt that, right? Don't tell yourself things like, you know, oh, man, I'm just never going to get better. This bleeding is never going to stop. This tear is never going to heal. Oh, what if I always have this issue? Um, because remember, it's a gradual process. Looking at things, you know, every moment of every day, it's sometimes hard to track your progress. But if you look at something from week to week, how much further are you now than you were a week ago, right? And how much more are you capable of now or how much better are you feeling now? Hopefully you're going in that direction. If you're not, you know, maybe, maybe you need some external help to help you get there. Um, but what we tell ourselves about anything, if when it comes to breastfeeding, obviously, if you're like, oh, I can't make enough milk, I can't make enough milk. Well, you just told your, ba- your body that it can't make enough milk and your yes. body's listening all the time. Exactly. So if anybody's into, you know, Joe Dispenza and any of that kind of stuff, you know, he talks about this really, really extensively. 
And, you know, I think for, for me, the biggest thing that was important for me as a postpartum mom and will always be a postpartum mom, but a newly postpartum mom was just giving myself a ton of grace. Like, Hey, yep. This is a totally new body. I have never had these boobs before. I have never had this belly before. I have to learn how to live in this whole new flesh and it's a learning process. It's not like you just, it's not like memorization in school just to take a test. Like this is actual learning. You're going to learn how your body works in this new way. And sometimes it's even cooler than it was before. So be open oh, to it sure. better than you thought. Yeah. I mean, you did started, you started to say this a little bit in the early podcast or when we first started was that you know, I really pretended like I wasn't pregnant. And that was mostly just because, you know, I was in the strength and conditioning world. I had a huge emphasis. And then I realized now this is just me. And I mean, I'm not the only one who suffers from this, but there was a huge emphasis on what my body looked like and had the performance of my body. And so it was almost as if I treated my pregnancy as like this plague on my career. Right. And I realize now that that's just a story and not true at all. But um, back then, I just felt like, oh, I can't be pregnant. I can't, I can't have a baby. I'm not going to look the part. You hear a lot of trainers talk about that. And I felt too. So because of that, because I had that underlining belief and I wanted, uh, and because I just, pretended I wasn't pregnant. I wanted to have a vaginal birth and I wanted to have, I wanted to be able to breastfeed because I wanted to get my body back faster. I had those like deep beliefs that that was going to happen. Wow. I didn't get either. Right. I, I, but you know, I was going to die on the table. I was literally like, okay, I don't, I would rather die and get my body back than, you know, have an emergency cesarean and bring Gwen into the world and everything be okay. Of course that didn't happen. And I had the cesarean and I did struggle to breastfeed. It was, it was a very challenging time for me. But when I look back as to why I wanted those two things, it was because I just wanted to get my body back faster. I'm glad now that I didn't get those two experiences because now I can help moms who might be going through the same type of thing. And the truth of the matter is that my body does not need to come back. It never left. And it's a better, stronger, healthier body than it was back then. So I'm happy to have this body now. I love that. That is just amazing. I wish every mom could just use that as like a mantra to just remember that solidify that in your mind because that is so important there is no getting your body back um unless you're justin timberlake you can't bring sexy back so <laughs> <laughs> well sexy never left it's still here it never left it's, it's never always left. been here and what's not sexy about bigger boobs and hips right i mean that is I like what are all these workouts now about making your butt bigger so i know right so i mean <laughs> So you got it going on, mama. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Oh, so, well, that's fantastic, Beverly. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So I just want to also touch on, too, the fact that if you've been, because I said I was going to talk about this in the beginning of the podcast, which is that if you're holding on to this belief that you need to breastfeed because you need to get your body back, you're going to lose all of your baby weight Be if you breastfeed because you, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you see those shirts that are like, breastfeeding's my cardio, 
right? Can we just talk about briefly about how that is not true for everyone? And it most certainly was not true for me. And that is mostly because there are three things that you want to be thinking about when it comes to weight loss, okay? Number one is the law of thermodynamics, calories in versus calories out. Now, most people will start to get into the like all or nothing mentality, or they start to think that more is better, but you don't want, and what I mean by more is better, I mean that they cut their calories so low that all of a sudden, and then they start working out harder, but then they plateau or they feel like it hurts their milk, but it's not hurting their supply. This goes back to the fact that it's not hurting their supply. It's hurting the well-being of mom, and when you hurt the well-being of mom it will have an impact on your supply so it's not so it's not because your body is designed to protect you and to feed that that baby which leads me to number two which is your hormone profile so your hormones also have a huge impact on weight loss and you did bring this up as well as that breastfeeding you've got things like prolactin that are in place which is the hormone that's going to help you produce milk especially in the early early stages before the baby takes over for the supply which is going to have an impact on your progesterone and your estrogen, which are huge components to balancing your hormone profile so that you can release the energy that's stored in your body, the excess fat, right? And then the third is, of course, your gut health. So that are the three things that you want to be thinking about when you are you know, working on fat loss. And so what happens and the reason why so many moms or a lot of moms will lose weight when they're breastfeeding is because breastfeeding, the experience is a huge caloric energy expenditure. You think that you're not doing a lot, but you are. You're doing, you are creating the milk, you are feeding the baby. It takes a lot of energy. So when your hormones are are lined up, when your gut health feels good, when you are not feeling stressed, when you are recovering well, when you are feeling good, and you are also in a Goldilocks calorie deficit, meaning that perfect calorie deficit where your body, or not perfect, that's the wrong word, but in a like good, in a good safe spot where your body feels like, oh, okay, I can release, I can use this energy up, you'll lose the fat or you'll lose the weight. Yes. But if you are putting so much stress, and remember earlier we were talking about how it's not just you know, survival stress, it's, you know, mental stress, or you put your metabolism in a stressful place. Your body is the smartest organism on the planet. It's not going to be like, oh, calorie deficit. That means she wants to lose weight. No, the body is like, okay, we got to feed this baby. We're in survival mode. We need to start slowing down the organs. Mom's not sleeping. Like it is just such a complex a system that is and process that's happening in the body, the body is going to feed that baby at any cost, right? And so the other thing too, what happens is when you have that large of an expenditure of energy, your body and your body is stressed, they'll be like, feed the feed feed and constantly send you urges to eat because you're hungry. And if you are in a spot where you're not taking care of yourself, like cutting your calories too low, not managing your stress, not eating vegetables and protein, your body's just going to tell you to eat, 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 eat. And that's what happened to me. So I ended up gaining a lot of, I gained way more weight in my fourth trimester than I did during my whole pregnancy because I was so stressed and trying to breastfeed. 
I'm so glad you said that. And it makes me think of, uh, there was a guy in one of my classes in college who was a ranger in the army. And he had said how they were taught that you need to maintain your energy in two ways, sleep or eating. So if you have a sleep deficit, you got to eat more and vice versa. And I see that with postpartum moms all the time. And there is this idea out there though, that, you know, you read all this stuff like that t-shirt you mentioned, breastfeeding is my cardio, you know, breastfeeding burns another 800 to thousand calories a day. Well, okay, it can, but actually breastfeeding isn't designed to work that way. And you shouldn't need that many more calories in your diet to make breastfeeding work. You really shouldn't need many more than you needed during pregnancy, which is only a few hundred calories a day. But moms who are breastfeeding tend to also eat a lot of convenience foods, right? Mm -hmm. So you're nursing yes. the baby around the clock and, you know, just you know, grabbing that quick snack, right? That quick sandwich or that granola bar or whatever. But, you know, these might be processed really high carb foods, which aren't going to keep you full for very long. And you're going to have a crash and feel tired and all that kind of stuff. So there is that absolutely where I see moms kind of overeating during breastfeeding to, you know, like you said, try to maintain their energy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's never, it's never a good way to go. And I would say, you know, for moms out there who are like, whoa, what is happening? You know, that, that's, that's one of those vital signs that your body is kind of trying to send you is like, why, why am I putting on more weight now? That's kind of seems like it's not normal. Yeah. Let's do a check and review the things we're talking about in this episode, because you know, there, there's a missing piece there somewhere. And if your hormones are that off, chances are your hormones are also off enough to affect your milk production as well. So eating more calories isn't going to make you make more milk. Drinking more water isn't going to make you make more milk. It's going, you know, eating the right things and drinking enough water is going to help take care of you. But like Beverly touched on, your body is like, yeah, no, we got to help this baby survive. That's absolutely the priority. So it'll put what it needs into the milk, but the milk pulls the things it needs in the milk from your body. If you don't put those things back in your body, you're the one who suffers, not your baby. So it's really, really important. I think the big message we're trying to tell everybody here is basically just take really good care of yourself because yes. it's so important. And, and everybody hears this, oh, right, I know, put the oxygen mask on me first and yes. then my child. No, it's not something to roll your eyes at because truly you can't take care of yourself and you can't be the best mom that you want to be and show up in the world the way you want to unless you're taking care of yourself. And the level of sacrifice the level of martyrdom that you take on doesn't make you a better mom. That's not what your baby wants from you. It's not what your partner wants from you. It's not what your employer wants for you. Like nobody wants that from you. You don't get a medal of honor because you gave the most sacrifice for yeah. your body and your child. So like, for just sure. can we please stop that whole idea, you know, and I mean, I've never even seen that t-shirt, by the way, breastfeeding is my cardio. Like, wow. wow. Son, I just, what? And it, wow. I just want to reiterate and just push, like, you are a hundred percent right on that, is that no taking care of yourself is the best possible thing that you can do for your family. I notice it in myself as well. My kids are so much better off when mommy is taken care of. Yeah. And for the record, for all of my moms who love to be a martyr, because I get you, I feel you, there's still going to be plenty of things that you're going to be sacrificing. Yes. <laughs> there's 
me plenty of opportunities to put your kids first and to be a martyr for them. Like, do not get it twisted. I'm not saying be selfish. That's not what I'm saying. But self-care is not selfish. It's essential. In fact, if you don't take care of yourself, you are, it, it's not, it will be, be it just, it'll be better for the baby and for your whole family if you put yourself first. Yeah. And, and self-care is not sexy, right? So I want to just make that differentiation and we can kind of wrap up here. So self-care isn't like, oh, I'm going to do a facial tonight and like go get a pedicure. <laughs> like that's great. But self-care is actually just a way of life. It's, it's self-love really. And so yes. if you do those little things, like make it a point to stand up straight and breathe deep during the day and be conscious of your posture. That's what self-love looks like, not hitting CrossFit and just wrecking yourself, you know, for the next hour of your life. Like that's, that's not self-love. That's actually the complete opposite of self-love. Now it doesn't mean CrossFit's bad. It just means like, you know, you got to work your way up to that. Right. So that can be but that's not at eight weeks postpartum, probably the thing you should be doing. So these little things like, you know, taking a nap during the day when you need it, that's what helps your recovery, not just sitting on the couch all day watching Netflix, right? Um, Not that you can't do that. You can totally do that. Maybe that is your way of like self-care today because that's all you're able to do and please go do that. Um, But I think people get this idea of like, you know, oh, I have to like, you know, go get a massage or like do these things. You're totally right. It's all the everyday little things and it's momentum and you just build on them. And again, it's not sexy. It's just progressional. So, you know, one step forward, one day at a time. And then ultimately, yeah, then you do get your body back. So that's really the key. It's not, it's not fancy high tech. It's not, um, you know, we're not selling you anything really here. We're not, right. we're not uh, selling you a crazy gym membership or anything like that. Um, exactly. You know, there's realistic, healthy ways to go about doing this. And sometimes self-care just looks like asking for help. Like your friends and your yes. family, they love you and they want to help you. And you doing it all yourself does not make you a better mom. It, you asking for help when you need it, like even if it's like, hey, I'm going to spend five extra seconds in the bathroom taking five deep breaths. Can you hold the baby a little bit longer? They want to do that. They just don't know how to help you. Sometimes they don't know how to help you, but they want to. Yeah. And this is the time in your life when like pretty much everybody just wants to help you. So you should really milk it because like (laughs) 20 years from now, when you're asking for that help, people will be like, but sorry, why? Because nothing, <laughs> nothing new happened in your life. But You're when good, you bring right? a baby into the world, right? You bring a baby into the world, it's like just people converge, right? And they're like, what can we do? And and maybe maybe self-care isn't letting someone hold the baby either. Maybe, maybe you know, you're really trying to work on breastfeeding, but it's them folding your laundry or bringing you a meal or, you know, pitching in, getting multiple people to pitch in towards a house cleaner or taking your older kids to the park for you, like all these other things. It doesn't have to be, people like to often, you know, do something for the baby, right? But here's baby clothes, whatever. You know, how about a freaking nursing bra or like a gift card to, you know, I don't know, Target. They have great like nursing stuff a lot of the time or just wherever, right? Like there's things that we need to remember that it it is somewhat our responsibility until there's a big cultural shift to ask for that help and support. Motherhood is a sisterhood. No matter where you have come from any types of walks of life, bringing, no matter how you brought the baby in, we all know what the transition's like bringing a human into into your family and into this world. 
Yes, absolutely. That's so true. Well, I think this is a phenomenal place to stop because we've given our listeners so much, Beverly. You're a goldmine. I want any listener here who has really felt touched by what you've shared today to be able to reach out to you, follow you. Where can people find you online and connect with you? That's great. Thank you so much for having me. And so the best place to find me is I'm literally Beastance and Fitness on all platforms. So Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Awesome. And you guys should definitely check out Uh, I'm big on Instagram and YouTube. She's got some amazing stuff up there and specifically she's helping postpartum moms with their fitness and their nutrition and everything. So thank you so much, Beverly, for being here. It's truly an honor. And, um, yeah. Do you have any last words that you want to leave with our audience? Any last thoughts? No, that's it. That's your, you just take care of you, mom. It's going to be okay. (laughs) It's going to be okay. I love that. If I could just go back to my, cause my kids are four and two now and it doesn't seem that long ago, but it feels like a long time ago. That fourth trimester, Beverly, if I could just give her a hug and tell her one thing, it would be to just breathe and to, to give her a big hug. And I would say to her, focus on your stress. Mm, That's That's a really good one. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Great. Thank Thank you so much, mama, for tuning in all the way to the end. We had an incredibly jam-packed episode here with Beverly Simpson, and I'm going to make sure we link up all of her stuff on social media so you can go connect with her. And speaking of which, If you learned something new today, if you found this episode helpful, we'd love for you to go uh, head over to Instagram at bsimpsonfitness, leave Beverly a little love note, letting her know how her interview, her message impacted you and your fourth trimester or breastfeeding journey. And also, if you found this episode helpful, maybe you learned something that you didn't know before that you wish you had known when you were pregnant or earlier on postpartum, share this episode with mom in need. And also be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Every time you do that, another mom just like you finds the information that they need. So thank you so much if you've already left a review for the podcast. It's wonderful to see all of your amazing comments there. Bye for now, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras and you can get started right now.